And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. With Sam Payne, Anthony Slater, uh-huh. and Fred Katz. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play when coming to rank. Trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. Is that rocket science? I have tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Here's your host, Sam Amick. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I am not Sam Amick. I'm your fill-in host and producer, Andrew Schlecht. With me, just got one guy, one guy out on the East Coast. It's Fred Katz covering the hottest team in the NBA suddenly. Fred, what's up? I'm also not Sam Amick. No. Neither of us is Sam Amick. No one here is Sam Amick. Uh, what's it? What's it feel like covering the hottest team in the league right now? Is that something it's, that uh, that is that a question you thought you would have to answer? It's an extraordinary experience. I, I can't. You know. You know. You know what the best part of of covering the Knicks when they they have a seven game winning streak going is. Hmm. It is seeing Tom Thibodeau just utterly unchanged throughout the entire thing. Just. <laughs> just. <laughs> just totally unimpressed with everything going on. I mean, a, a a reporter had the gall to ask him after their seventh consecutive win. You guys now have the longest winning streak in the NBA. How, like, how do you feel about it? Is that something you care about? And he just goes, uh, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. He's got it's the great. long view in mind, Fred. Yeah, I don't really know what the long view is, you know. He said he said winning streaks don't mean anything the other day. Like it's only doesn't mean anything when you get to tomorrow. Winning streaks don't mean anything until you get to tomorrow. And you know what? I guess that's why he's more successful than I am. But yeah. uh I I I'm a big rest on your laurels guy. So Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Uh okay, it's, so it's great. We, we, it's great. It's just it's great to see him become like go like full tibs, you know, like you don't, you see hints of tibs every once in a while, but, but seeing full tibs during a seven game winning streak and they're playing so well, they're playing so well. So it's enjoyable to see the full tibs experience. We're going to talk more about them here shortly, but first we're going to start with a, with a little game. We've kind of put this on the shelf. We had this idea a few weeks ago and it feels like a good time to, uh, to put out this game, the net rating game. So what we're going to do is we're going to I'm going to tell you a net rating of a team. Then I want you to tell me if it if we feel like it fits 
how they've played this year and who this team is. So we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit. I thought about going in a, in a random order just to keep it fun. Uh, we're going to start with a team that I feel like you have a lot to say about and a team that is, I don't know if they're confusing. Maybe they shouldn't be confusing. Maybe they're just bad. It's the Washington Wizards who have the 25th best net rating, minus 3.1. This is a team that they have talent. They were a team that wanted to fight for a play-in or a playoff position, and they're the opposite of the Knicks. They're the coldest team in the league. What do we do with this team, Fred? Not surprising. I mean, maybe surprising they're this far down, but like... They're the same record as the Magic at I this know. point in the season. That's a little, that's well, a the little magi- surprising. The Magic are the other hottest team in the league, although they're playing right now against Atlanta. So we're recording this late on Monday night, so we don't know what's going to happen in that one. So maybe they won't be by the time we're done recording this. But the Magic are on fire right now. They're playing great basketball. Moncaro looks amazing. Franz Wagner is going to be awesome. But yeah, Wizards. I mean, look, they've had some injuries. Beal had been out for a while. He just came back, and and then they dropped one to the Lakers. And a close one of the Lakers when Beal came back. But man, they just look. They are discombobulated, and they're 11 and 20. And they're just in a situation where you're like, what is going to happen with them? Because when you list out, like, if you rank situation one through 30, just like best situation is we have an awesome team now and we'll have an awesome team tomorrow and we have all of our draft picks and you can win the title this year. You can win the title next year. You can win the title the year after that. You know, the Boston Celtics or, or Milwaukee or whatever, whoever you want to choose. Yeah. And then you get down to the bottom of the list. It's like the Wizards are real close to the bottom, right? I mean, when we're when we're talking about the fact that they don't necessarily have a clean cap sheet moving forward because you got that big Beal contract on the books, they yeah. don't have a budding star in one of their young guys. Uh, you know, I, I I like Corey Kispert. I think he's going to be a good player, but that's not he's not he's not a star. Denny Abdi, I think no. he's going to be a good player, but he's not a star. Rui is a free agent after this year, and I think he kind of is what he is at this point. So it's it's. They don't, you know, Johnny Davis is non-existent, uh, and we can talk about yeah. Johnny Davis, which is a wild situation that he's just he's just not there with them. He's been with the G League the whole time after going ten. It's they're they're real far at the bottom. They they don't control their own draft picks, their own draft history moving forward. They they have a a, a protected pick that's protected all the way to twenty twenty six going to the Knicks. I mean, they're. They do not have a desirable situation right now. And and I think, you know, Zach Lowe and Bob Marks were talking about them on their podcast as an interesting team to follow leading into February's trade deadline. I look, I'm I'm notoriously intrigued by the Wizards more than the average yeah. human being. Uh the, the covering them for years will do that to you. Uh but I mean I mean, I agree with Bobby. I think it's incredibly interesting. You got Porzingis player option next year. Kuzma player option, which there's no way he's picking that up. And he's given quotes to Ava Wallace of the Washington Post talking about how he, uh, you know, is is not going to be picking up the player option. He's going to test free agency, which is not surprising. He's going to get paid a lot. But just the timing of it is weird. And they they could try to trade Kuzma. They could try to trade Porzingis. They could try to re-sign those guys. Like, they have a bunch of different options. And what direction they choose is, is going to be real interesting. 
my I guess is it going to be interesting because what they what they've continued to do is like no this is it this is the direction here's where here's the way we're going to go you know we'll give Przingis a massive extension or we'll re-sign him to something big we'll just run it back and they just make little you know moves here on the margins Beal seems content with where he's at he's got a massive deal doesn't seem to want out and a no and trade clause the, by the way and that would be the one. Like that would be the way that you would have to do it if you're the Wizards. Is just pull the plug. Like this isn't working. But instead, like they 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 made the move to get Monty Morris and Will Barton in over the summer. You know, they continue to make like these moves that really just don't move the needle at all. And then they pick somebody in the draft that doesn't end up impacting them all that much. And they kind of just continue down this road. Like and with Beal, with his the, the the deal that he has, it's like how I guess this they might just be the Wizards. I mean, I think that them and the Bulls might be like the most like in the last, in the next three years, the two teams are like, man, I really would not want to have to deal with that situation as a front office. So like everybody yeah. else, either you have like draft picks coming in, or you're like young and developing, or you're actually competing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's probably them and the Bulls. I mean, look. It, it comes down to the most important person in any organization, which is ownership, which is Ted Leonsis yeah. says, has said publicly, quote, we will never, ever tank. And this yeah. is kind of what that mentality gets you, right? They're, yep. they're reshuffling deck chairs every year. And if that's going to be the case, you have to nail at least one of your draft picks. And they haven't had any, until Johnny Davis, they hadn't had any huge misses on their draft picks. But they haven't absolutely nailed. They have an A-plus pick. And when you're picking 9 to 15, which is where they are in all of these drafts, if that's the position you're going to put yourself in, you have to nail them. And they they haven't done that. The Johnny Davis thing to me is, you know, what's a crazy what if. Like, just a crazy what if. Well, crazy by my standards. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like the fact that we opened it up by being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The most famous guy on this podcast is not podcasting today. Uh, And also, Fred's (laughs) going to talk about the Wizards the whole time. I feel like we only have like six listeners left. So It's okay. It's okay. So it's a if you're still listening to this for some insane reason, then you might also think this is a crazy what if. Uh, This is a what if that I have thought about so much because – it involves all three teams that I've been on the beat of. So uh-huh. I covered the Thunder, yeah. I covered the Wizards, I covered the Knicks now. Uh, on draft day, the Knicks make a trade with the Thunder, in which they get pretty widely panned for, the Knicks do, where they trade the number 11 pick to the Thunder for three future round, two, three future first round picks. Yep. Uh, the Wizards pick 10th in that draft, right? They end up taking Johnny Davis at number 10. The next pick Mm -hmm. is the Knicks, and they end up making that trade with the Thunder. If the Thunder are willing to do that trade with the Knicks, surely they called the Wizards before to see if the Wizards would do that trade at number 10. If you're willing to do that trade for number 11, you're willing to do it for number 10. From Mm -hmm. everything that I've gathered, and and Johnny Davis, meanwhile, like the Wizards are just clearly not in on him. Like That's what's weird. It's not weird that he hasn't been good. It's weird that they took a guy 10 and... Like they just had a stretch where they had like eight guys. No one was healthy. And Johnny Davis was just on healthy G League assignment the whole time because they just don't have him with their NBA team because they feel like he's that far away. 
it's, and they need it's, guards. Like, I mean, all, all shouts out to Jordan Goodwin, but they need guards. Jordan Goodwin's like the one bright spot for them amongst the young guys. I Kispert's been good, but yeah. Jordan Goodwin is is like you know exciting two way find. He's he's good, but but with Johnny Davis, what's what's crazy? I think it's like I don't think the Wizards were like you know when they drafted Denny Avdia. They were really excited about that pick. That was a pick with enthusiasm. He was like top five on their mm-hmm. draft board. He falls to nine. They mm-hmm. take him. Same same sort of vibe with Rui Hachimura. Same sort of vibe at 15 with Corey Kispert. I heard leading up to the draft the whole time, the Wizards love Kispert. The Wizards love Kispert. And then they take Kispert at 15. It's like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, all I heard was how much the Wizards love Kispert. So sure, makes sense. I think I don't think Johnny Davis was like the guy who they were thirsting for the whole time. I think he was there at 10. They took him at 10. And- yeah. I just, it's an incredible what if to think, okay, what if the Thunder go to the Wizards and say, we'll give you those three first round picks. And the Wizards say, yeah, you know what? We didn't have a guy who we were in love with who fell to us. Let's do it. Because not only is now all of a sudden the Johnny Davis picking out there, and maybe they get killed in that scenario too for not picking when they're in the situation that they're in. But not only is the, does the Johnny Davis pick not happen for them in that scenario, also, the Wizards get three first-round picks. The three first-round picks the Thunder sent out in that deal were Milwaukee's in 2025. It's protected. Okay, fine. Detroit's yeah. very heavily 2023 first-round pick that's protected for years to come. Okay, fine. I think it can't be better mm-hmm. than the ninth pick like four years from now. And also, the Wizards' 2023 pick, they would have gotten their pick back, which would yeah. mean so much for their future because that way – if they want to go out, they want to make a trade this upcoming summer or last summer, they they wanted to get in on the Donovan Mitchell stuff, but they couldn't because they were only able to trade one first round pick because that pick is protected out to 2026. If they own yep. it, if they own their own, they could have offered up the house for Donovan Mitchell. Who knows? You have all your picks. You're in the game. If you really want to be, you're in the game for somebody else. If some other big star becomes available and now they got to deal with the fact that they don't have their pick. They can only trade one future first round pick in a deal because of that. Like it just, there's so many other dominoes that fall if the Wizards just do that. And to be clear, I'm not like knocking them for not doing that because that's a, this is some serious like hindsight being 90 20. You might be the only one what ifing this. Yeah. (laughs) But, but there are crazy ripple effects for that one. There are crazy yeah. ripple effects for that one. It's just like a thing that I've thought about a lot. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a nice deal for for anybody out there, and that's what, and the Thunder really wanted to do that deal too. Like they wanted, not only did they want Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, which I think they would have probably taken him at twelve, uh, anyways, if they had the choice of both. They took him twice. They wanted they they really wanted both. They really wanted to pick twice. They really wanted to pick three times in the lottery. You know, they really liked that draft. And so, Andrew, they wanted to pick Jalen Williams twice. They did that too. <laughs> they wanted they, they wanted to pick a lot in this draft and they ended up picking. They love Jalen Williams so much that they said, let's just do it again. Just, can we do that again? That was fun. Let's do that again. And he's been awesome for them. He's been great for the Thunder. But yeah, that is, that is a wild one. I, I have like zero faith in this Wizards team, like getting it together. And I don't even know what getting it together would look like. Because on the surface, you kind of you look at the players they have, and it's like, man, I, Porzingis has had a nice year. Like he's played really well, and and Beal, when he's actually been in the lineup, has played pretty well. And Kyle Kuzma is having a really nice year, 
And even Corey Kispert. Like, Kispert's played really well, shooting 41% from three. Like, he's a nice player. But, like, what do they lack? Like, what is this team, if they if they want to continue down this road, like, really what they need is a point guard. And, like, trying to get a point guard. Like, they got Monty Morris, who's really just the one of the best backups in the league, and that's what he is. I mean, that, that to me, is is kind of the struggle. So, uh, I you think know what's crazy? they're ranked 25th. You know what's crazy they're about ranked that, 25th. I think they are the 25th. Yeah. What? You know what's crazy about it all? Hmm. Their starters are like one of the best starting units in the league. Like their starters are like plus thirteen per hundred possessions. Yeah, their starters are playing well together, but they, yeah, they fall off with. They're all guys in their prime. They're all guys in their prime. They should play. To, they should play well together. You know, like this. This should be it. Yep, and it's it's not. I mean, I I I wonder if they just go to like. I mean, you mentioned they're tied with the Magic. I think if the season ends today, they have the six best lottery odds. It is not too late for them to turn around and just do like a one year thing, but I don't know what that would mean yeah. for Bradley Beal's desire to want to be there, and they want Beal to stay. Like, like I said, like ownership wants Beal to stay. Oh. Ownership never wanted him out. Uh, they always wanted him him sticking. Like I, 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 I don't know what that would mean, but if you get to a point where it's like if it's an accidental tank, you might as well make it an intentional one and then we'll see you know i think you can get something for kuzma if you choose to trade him kuzma's good yeah he's a good player i think you i think you can get something real for him i i think they're less likely to trade porzingis i think they want him to be part of their future yeah i mean upset beal what, what is he really excited for them to pick ninth again they picked ninth like a hundred times while beal's been on this team right <laughs> you know <laughs> like if they yeah. pick fourth, I'm really upset about it. Now they actually might get a good player. I don't know. That that to me is crazy. Let's move on to the next team. The Philadelphia 76ers have the seventh best net rating. Do we think that that fits who this team is? They're, they're a plus 3.6. Do you think that that's accurate for who the Sixers team is? They've, they've kind of had a roller coaster season, but have leveled out and played really good basketball as of recent. But what are your thoughts on the Sixers? Yeah, they've played well. I mean, I I still want to see it when they have all of their guys there, like when Maxie's yeah. back, and then and then see mm-hmm. Maxie and and Harden and Embiid, right? Because there were there were I don't know what's the way to put it. There were it just didn't look right when when they were all together, right? And Harden is has kind of been better with his cadence, and I think figured out some pick and roll stuff with Embiid, which wasn't all the way there. But you know, Harden is. For all the stuff of James Harden's back that people were saying early in the year, it's like his efficiency is lower than it's ever been, and he's not getting to the rim really anymore, Uh, Mm -hmm. and so he's not creating his own shot like he used to. I'm not saying he's not capable of creating his own shot. It's just that he literally used to be the best in the world at creating his own shot, and he's not that anymore, and I think you can make a good argument that Maxi is is superior in that faction. So like, okay, how, how are those two guys going to mesh off of each other is a really big question for me on, on whether this team can reach it's the, you know, the ceiling that it's talent level should have it at, but I don't know. What, what do you say? I mean, it's all about Joel and you, you mentioned, you mentioned Harden, his passing is still really impacting the Sixers in a positive way. And especially their corner three point shooters. Like they've been shooting the ball really well. And teams have been shooting really poorly from three uh, against the Sixers, which has really helped them this season. But 
I like the moves that they made. Like DeAnthony Melton's been pretty awesome for them this year. Um, even Shake Milton was not a move, but he's been on the roster. But he's played really well off the bench. Um, but to me, it's just all about Joel Embiid. I mean, they're playing against the Raptors right now as we speak, and he's 28, 11, and 4. Uh, he, he puts up crazy stats every night, and that's with him shooting 6 of 16 from the field. Like, he's just, he gets to the free throw line like crazy. He's knocking down shots from all three levels. Like, this is, I guess the question is, are they maximizing Joel Embiid? I think they're doing everything they can to try to do that. Uh, and I think that you're right. We won't really know the answer to that um, until they are the full squad. But uh, t- to me, it's Joel, who has played like an MVP again this year. He, pro- he probably won't win it, but he's played at that level once again. Yeah, he got off to that slow start where he wasn't at the same level as he normally is the first you know, 10, 15 games or whatever it was. And lately, he's been insane. I feel like he drops 50 once a week. And, 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 and you're right. I should have given Harden more credit as an offensive player because, like, you know, even with the the questions that we that we I think rightfully will have about just like his and Embiid's specific chemistry, it's just like I, I mean they're they're still just a total and complete force when those two are together. When Harden and Embiid are on the floor together, they're averaging 119 points per 100 possessions, which is insane. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like that is those two guys on the floor together. You have an offense. Now, the question is, what are you when you add Maxi to the mix? Because, I mean, this this has a lot to do with the early season numbers. But when you add Maxi to the mix, that goes that goes down to 111. And that's from when they were really struggling early in the year. And so I'm not saying Maxi comes back and all of a sudden they're going to fall off. I, I don't believe that to be true. I believe those numbers are going to get way better as the season goes on and once Maxi is back and you're good and it sounds like there's still a good amount of time like he sounds like he's not recovering very quickly like it sounds doc had some comments a few days ago about how, how it sounds like it's still going to be at least a few more weeks before Maxi is back but I just want to see it like this group was put together yeah. not to win a playoff series like, they can win a playoff series I guess you know mm-hmm. they're seventh in net rating it's like that seems about right for where they should be to where I feel like they they could win a playoff series, but but this group was put together to at least be a conference finalist, right? And yeah. I struggle. There, there's no way right now that I have them over over uh, Boston or Milwaukee for sure. And I I struggle mm-hmm. to put them over Cleveland with the way that Cleveland is playing. I think Cleveland's legit. They're they're just a two way force with unbelievable rim protection and two guards who are absolutely dynamic off the dribble on the other end. And Cleveland, I think, is a really scary force. So it's like, okay, if you're the fourth best team in the East, you can maybe win a playoff series, and that's about it. But I just I don't think that's what the goal of this roster was coming into the year. Yeah, there's no doubt. And there's still time for them to get it together or to make a move midseason to improve their team. But they're locked in to, to Harden and Embiid. And if they're going to win a playoff series, if they're going to win two playoff series, it's going to be because Joel Embiid is the best player on the floor. And I still think that he could do that. Like, he still has that ceiling. He has to be healthy, though. And that's the thing that scares you the most. Because he's, if he's playing a lot of minutes in the regular season, he just always has weird injuries. He had a t- he's had a ton of weird injuries going into the playoffs. And then you know that he can just fade as the playoffs go along. So, like, that's the scariest thing. Uh, as far as, like, corner threes go... I think they're six in the league in corner three percentage, and they're taking a lot, which is like that's kind of the power of James Harden. And so there's still some good stuff going on. But like about the seventh best team in the league feels about right. 
let's talk about your New York Knicks. We're ranked 10th in the league in net rating at a plus 1.8. Uh, 10th in the league feels a little rich for me. Is this all about this current run, Fred? It's a lot about the current run. Yeah, it's also a lot about the fact that, like, there's so much parity in the league right now that, like, you're 10th yeah. with a plus 1.8 net rating. It's like you could you could one bad loss, all of a sudden you could be 20th in net rating. Like you could just fall, you could fall to like minus 0.4 and you're like 17th or something, you know? Like it's, yeah, yeah. It's the, true. the middle part of the league is just so bunched up. Both conferences, by the way, is so bunched yeah. up that I think it's honestly more of just an indicator of that. Uh, sure. I don't, honestly, I don't know what to make of this run. I, I just because, I can't recall ever seeing you see a team's quality change all the time. You see a team be bad for a while and then they get really hot and they're good or a team be really good for a while and then they get cold and they're really bad. You see the magic start five and 20 or whatever they were. And then they win six games in a row like that. That happens. Mm-hmm. You know, a few years ago, Miami heat started 10 and 31 and finished 31 and 10, you know, yep. that, yep. that stuff happens. But what's so jarring about this one is the flip in their identity that changed overnight. You know, a little more than two weeks ago, they played the Dallas Mavericks at home, and they were up double digit on the Mavericks. And the Mavericks come back, and in the third quarter, both Tim Hardaway Jr. and Luka Doncic each individually outscored the Knicks in the third quarter. Doncic had 19. <laughs> Hardaway had or Hardaway had 19. Doncic had 17. And the Knicks had 15 in the third quarter, and they end up getting killed by nice. Dallas. And it just felt like a something has got to change moment for the Knicks, who fell to 10 and 13 at the moment. The next day, they have Cleveland at home on the second day of a back-to-back. They hold Cleveland to 81 points. They play incredibly feisty defense. Tom Thibodeau changes his rotation. That's the first time Derrick Rose is out of the rotation. Miles McBride, who's this feisty second-year, former second-round pick, is in the rotation. They have not lost a game since. They were, after that Dallas game, they were 26th in points allowed per possession. Now they're eighth. Since that Dallas game, they're first in defense. They were terrible on the defensive boards. Now they're totally acceptable. They were totally porous defensively and the worst transition defense team in the league, arguably. And now they are scrambling back down the floor. Uh, Julius Randle was playing confounding pick and roll defense at times now he's switching and and aggressively manning guys and has been like like if you watch their they just played two games in chicago you watch the second game in chicago that randall played and randall has been phenomenal for this entire stretch but you watch that second game that randall played he only had 19 points he didn't shoot the ball particularly well i think he was seven for 17 it was the best defensive game he's played all season he was mm-hmm. he was a total pest defensively. He was physical. He was try hard. I mean, it was his, the best defensive game he played all year. It's just a total identity switch, and, and that's why it's so confusing. Because because you can see a team get really hot and really cold, and you can be like, okay, well, this is a thing that's that works well for them, and that makes sense. Is a team that doesn't, and that makes sense. But you just feel like you're watching two completely different teams uh, before and after the Dallas loss. It's just very. It's very odd. I don't know what to make of it. What say you? I mean, you stop playing 
Cam Reddish, Evan Fournier, and Jericho Sims, who are like the three worst, according to Cleaning Sims, Glass. Sims is playing a little bit now again. He is. Okay. But you play less of Evan Fournier, basically, and less of Cam Reddish. And then you insert Miles McBride and more Emmanuel quickly, more Quentin Grimes. That's that's what's weird to me, and I wanted to ask you, like, Tibbs is a guy who obviously loves veterans, but he loves guys that play defense. Like, what was the infatuation with playing Evan Fournier so much? Because you insert these other guys that, like, play really hard, like, play really good basketball. And I saw them up close in Oklahoma City, and you see Quentin Grimes and Miles McBride, like, getting after it. You're like, oh. Like, yeah, like that that flipped some of that game in Oklahoma City even just inserting those guys. I think that was the first one of the first games that he stopped playing Evan Fournier. Or was just like, yeah, no more Evan Fournier. Like what's going on here? Um that's kind of confusing to me. Like what like do you have any feel for what what the deal is with that cuz he just he doesn't seem like a a typical Tibbs guy. He's not He's not a typical Tibbs guy. I mean, I think it really just came down to the fact that Nick signed Devin Fournier to a really big contract. And they're a team that really doesn't, even during the win streak, like they really don't have a lot of shooting. And Fournier was the best three-point shooter on the team. And they need that shooting. They need that spacing. Ultimately, I, I think it really came down to, though, the fact that Grimes began the year hurt, came back, probably came back too soon, got hurt again came back, probably came back too soon, got hurt again. And then I think Tibbs had this paranoia about re-injuring Grimes. I think, I know Tibbs said right away that that the starting spot at shooting guard was Evan Fournier's to lose. Right. I, I think it was only a matter of time before Grimes ended up starting. I think we were always getting to a place where Grimes started very soon. I think if it weren't for the injury, Grimes would have been in the starting lineup very, very, very early in the year. That's my belief. It's totally unprovable because I don't have a time machine and I can't change the past. But that's what I believe would have happened if Grimes began the year early. He, Tibbs, Tibbs has always had a love affair with Grimes. Tibbs was pushing hard for them to draft Grimes before they actually did it. I mean, he is like the ultimate Tibbs player, right? Where he is yeah. physical, yeah, he's try hard and he's already a really good defender on the perimeter. And and by the way, he's gotten really hot from three and now all of a sudden is up to thirty seven percent from three this year. And he's hitting step backs and attacking closeouts and is really good at kind of making passes when he you know passes back out to the perimeter when he does that and just plays really good team basketball. And and you're right. I mean the guys who he put in are just dudes who will punch you in the throat. You know, they'll just they're just they're just physical and they're going to play crazy hard. And Miles McBride, I don't know what he's going to end up being offensively and if it's going to be enough to hold up his game. And he's only six feet, but he's got long arms and he fights so hard. And I don't know. I was watching them play the Pacers the other day and I was like, TJ McConnell, like there's there's some TJ McConnell in Miles McBride. Like you you see that, you know, defensively, like you see that. And so. Those are the kinds of guys you're playing, and you're right. When you start playing guys who just, if you can guard, you can play. If you take that mentality, then your team's going to start to guard some. And by the yeah. way, Jalen Brunson has been just so solid. Oh, oh, phenomenal. Yeah, he's been great this year. Do you buy them as a six seed, though? And this is this is kind of where their net rating puts them. Like six, no. six in the East, firmly in the playoffs. Like I, I kind of don't buy them 
even the Heat have had a weird, weird season. I still kind of think the Heat are going to get it together. Uh, Atlanta as well have had a really bad season, but I kind of I, I like what Atlanta has going for them more than the Knicks. Well, Andrew, and then can at- we can hmm. we take this to the next one? Because you mentioned the Heat, and that's on our list. Yeah. The Should heat, we transfer yeah, this over? Twentieth in net rating, minus one so far this season is the Miami Heat, who are currently in seventh. They're they are they are so lucky <laughs> to, to only be right here. And this is part of just like you said, like everything is just smashed together, and you can be a minus one or a plus one point eight, and you're within a game and a half of each other. You know, it doesn't really matter all that much to Miami, but. Man, the, the Heat, they've won four in a row. They're starting to get things back together a little bit, but it's been tough. And some of it's injury-related. Some of it is a, like their offense is just pretty gross. <laughs> like, I just do not like watching this Miami Heat team. Um, but, yeah, they, it has been a struggle. But I still, if I were to pick for a team to take that sixth slot, like I believe in everybody else is there, Milwaukee, uh, Boston, Cleveland, Brooklyn's been really good lately in Philly. Like I think I would still put Miami there at 6. Yeah, I agree, which is why I would say that I think the Knicks are probably lower than their net rating and Miami at minus 1. I know they're shallow. Yeah. I know they're shallow. I know what's weird about the construction of the Heat is that with their role players, they they have a lot of they're almost built like a like a 2013 team. Where, you know how, like, around that era of the NBA, everyone was like, oh, the Spurs have lots of specialists. If you have a guy who just has one great skill, go get Steve Novak and you can fit him in. Mm -hmm. And then teams started realizing, oh, in a playoff series, if you have a guy who's a specialist, then that means he's really weak in other areas. And we can just pick at those wounds over and over again until they bleed out. And then Mm -hmm. teams started going to more well-rounded role players and you know the Steve Novaks of the world aren't as as much those sorts of guys. Miami is almost built a little bit like a 2013 team with its role players, which is weird because its stars are so well rounded, and it become makes yeah. it makes it very obvious. Uh, they're kind of shallow; they're not deep. I just think that if Jimmy Butler can play enough, which you know might be the famous last words, then they will figure something out. Bam is sneakily having a fantastic season. He has been so good. He is scoring more. He's scoring efficiently. But when Jimmy is there, like he is their engine. He is the one who makes them go. And by the way, when Jimmy plays, they're a net positive team. They're, they're plus Mm -hmm. two per a hundred when he plays. Uh, He, he is so important specifically just for their offense. You talk about how they just can't score, and they can't. It's such a slog when he's off the floor, and this has been their problem for years. For years, yeah. they have been trying to figure out ways to score without Jimmy Butler, and and they've just struggled to be able to do it, and Kyle Lowry was going to be the guy who was going to save that, and sometimes he does. He's had some really big games this year, but he's just not the shot creator that he used to be at 36, 37 years old. But when Jimmy is there, you you look at the numbers and you look at and Jimmy is there. They score like 116 points per 100. You're like, okay, well that's an excellent number. And you watch the eye test. You're like, my goodness, this guy has just become the type of player 
where he can create a good shot for anybody. Uh, he's become such a fabulous passer, and he's 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 basically their point guard when he is on the floor on the offensive side. And so yeah. if Jimmy is there, I have faith that they're just going to keep climbing. But if he ends up playing only 52 games, then it then it gets dicey. Yeah, I worry about Kyle Lowry. They're just playing him so much. Oh, yeah, so like, many minutes. I don't know what to think about that. He's currently played the 13th most minutes in the NBA, and that's and he's played less games than everybody else who's above him right now. So I I worry about that with Kyle. I do the one thing that I really do love is they found Caleb Martin. They're like, yeah, this guy's a really good player. And he's like impacting like every lineup positively. He's like a plus seven point six on the season for them. Their three best lineups all include Caleb Martin. Like they've they just continue to kind of find these guys and recycle them like Max Struess has been that guy. Duncan Robinson has been that guy. Kind of like the new Max Struess, Duncan Robinson. Not that Struess isn't good. Like Struess is still playing some good minutes for them. But Caleb Martin's been pretty awesome for them on the wing. Uh, Tyler Hero has started to to get it together too. Like his, He's been scoring like crazy lately. Put up a career-high 35 in Oklahoma City, then followed it up the next night against the Rockets with 42. Like You can start to see him kind of getting into a groove a little bit. I think this Heat team will be there at the end of the day. And you got Jimmy, you got Bam, you got Tyler Hero. Then you can kind of fill in with these guys as long as they don't kill Kyle Lowry. I think that they're going to be dangerous come playoff time and a lot better than 20th in net rating. I think this is closer to really honestly closer to what the Knicks are at 10th is what I guess they'd be. I just think that it's, it's the math is more of a result of just the up and down nature of this Heat team more than anything. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Can I ask you a question speaking of minutes? Mm-hmm. How, how do we feel about the fact that Kevin Durant is literally playing more minutes than anyone in the NBA right now? Like literally leads the NBA in <sighs> minutes after after an Achilles tear if which was followed by years of like okay, we're going to take your entire time with you and and you are going to rest when you need to rest and He's had injuries flare up since. Like it hasn't just been like a one-time thing with the Achilles. He's gotten hurt and he's leading the league in minutes. And look, Brooklyn is rolling right now. They're playing yeah. great basketball. They're playing great. But I'm I just keep looking at that. I'm like, that number is expanding and expanding, and it just makes me a little queasy. Yeah, they're on our list too. They're ninth in net rating. At a plus one point eight. The same the two the two teams in New York both have plus one point eight net ratings right now. Uh as far as the minutes go, it's concerning, definitely. Seven footer that plays really hard every single night. Like he's gotta defend. He's gotta be their best defender on most nights. He's gotta be their best scorer on most nights. And he's not immortal. He's thirty four years old. You look at the other guys that are playing I mean, there's been several guys that have played a thousand plus minutes this season. Jeremy Grant is 28. Jordan Clarkson, who's 30. Anthony Simons, 23. Lowry, as we mentioned. Julius Randle, who's still only 28. I feel like people think Randle's a lot older than he is. It's probably just because of all the uh, all the ice bags that he wears in between timeouts and stuff. Um, DeRozan plays thir- is 33. He's played a ton of minutes too. 
RJ Barrett, 22. Royce O'Neal, also for the Nets, 29. Franz Wagner, 21. Like, all these guys are in their 20s. Kuzma's in his 20s. Mobley, Jason Tatum, Edwards, Mikael Bridges, and Durant. There's only three guys that have played 1,000 minutes so far this season that are above 30. And it's Kyle Lowry, and it's Kevin Durant, and um, DeMar DeRozan. It's those three. And they have to carry. They have to carry a lot. the The Lowry one is it feels even weirder now. Honestly, yeah, like Lowry's right. not carrying his not carrying his team like Durant or Demar. Like that. It but feels Lowry's had moments stranger. where he has had to carry them because, like, there was a period where like Bam was out and Jimmy was out, and sure. and Lowry like. There was a game where where they were he was out and Lowry played like they went to overtime. I think Lowry played what like forty nine minutes or something, <laughs> something like that. The Heat were missing like, their <laughs> whole roster. It's insane. I mean, I put I put carry the team in quotes. Like you got to air quote the carry the team thing with Lowry because like what Kevin's doing. I mean, Kevin deserves MVP consideration for what he's doing, and I my only concern is just his health. Like that's my only concern with Kevin and all of this. He's actually been a joy to watch this year, and I know that that Nets team has been an absolute mess. But over the last like three weeks, like they're just playing basketball, and it's it's just really good to see. It's good to see a guy of Kevin's talent just get to focus on basketball and play well. Um, but yeah, it's concerning. But I think any team with Kevin Durant and any talent around him, like, is going to be a top ten team in net rating, which they are. I I kind of believe in this team. I think that. I think they could be kind of scary come playoff time because you just need guys that get buckets. Like if you can compete hard enough defensively, they're going to have a ceiling that's lower than almost everybody else. And that's understandable. I think it's going to be hard for them to win two rounds in the Eastern conference just because they can't play defense. But you have Kevin and Kyrie who are just mid range assassins this year. They're two of the best guys in the mid range. I think they're going to have a chance, but yeah, I'm concerned. He's played 1,100 minutes, most in the NBA, and but he's still 56, 36, 92 shooting splits on the season, playing an insane amount of minutes. Seems to be having fun again, which I think is good for Kevin. You know, a lot of the last few years have not been fun in Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, I would say definitely concerning just because of the age stuff. Totally. I mean, look, last year he was playing about the same amount of minutes a game, but they were, you know, he was hurt for a little bit. They were they were sitting him out every once in a while. He was resting like now. It's just like, look, maybe he's just this great and he's fine. And I whenever there, I covered Bradley Beal when he played 82 games in a season once, I actually I played covered Bradley Beal when he led the league in minutes one year. And that was on a team that was yeah. really, really bad. And Scott Brooks kind of changed the way Scott Brooks was the head coach of that team. He kind of changed the way that I felt about minutes uh, throughout that season, because I would ask him a lot about Beal playing so many minutes on a team that wasn't going anywhere. And why is it necessary? And and Scott would make the point of people on the outside care so much about minutes total because it's, it's all we're seeing on the outside. So if a guy plays 32 minutes, we're like, okay, he got, an extra five minutes of rest compared to a guy who plays 37. 
but you might be playing your star 32 minutes a game. And on the outside, people might be saying that that guy is getting rested, not really playing, but then you're running his ass out of the gym in practice and he's going nuts in Mm -hmm. practice, having to do stuff. And Scott's whole thought was Brad is playing 37 minutes a game, but he's sitting every single practice. I'm not working him like crazy outside of the game. So what's it matter if he plays three more minutes? If you were playing 34 minutes Mm -hmm. and I were killing him in practice, you wouldn't be asking me a thing. You'd be talking about how I was being conservative with Bradley Beal. So Hmm. I was like, I always thought, you know what? You convinced me. That is a completely (laughs) fair. (laughs) Yeah. You know why? He was right. He was right. And, and once he, once he answered it and talked about like, no, I'm, I'm resting him in practices. He's not really practicing. He's not going through any physical stuff in practice because we want to use him more in games because he is the engine of this team. So we want him to play as many minutes as possible. We came up with a strategy of, okay, how can we responsibly play him as many minutes as possible? What can we take off the table? And we took all of these other things off the table so that his overall workload actually isn't changed compared to if he were playing 34. And I'm like, okay, that is totally reasonable. That's a thoughtful response. You win this round, Mr. Brooks. You are absolutely correct. I will I will stop uh you know asking critical questions about it. At least I will stop thinking so critically about it and start being more open minded about it. So I would bet, and I don't know this, but I, I would I would bet the Nets are doing a similar type of thing with Durant, but it's still hard to see. You know, you know, Beal at the time was like a healthy like twenty five year old. And it's right. it's still hard to see Durant with his medical history and his him being 34 years of age and just like he's been you're right he's been such a joy to watch this year and his passing has been off the charts too i know the oh, assists are like been unbelievable the assists are normal for him his passing has been off the charts it's been unbelievable yeah. the way he's creating threes for other guys is insane he just makes the right play every single time uh i maintain that kevin durant is the least flawed player in nba history Maybe not the best, but he's the least flawed player in NBA history. Dude just has no deficiencies at all. No holes in his game. And and uh, I, I mean, I'm with you. He's been a joy to watch. My only thing is just like he's had some health problems in the past, and I just I hope they don't flare up. Nobody wants to see that. Yeah, I think for Brooklyn, it's just about getting everybody healthy at the same time. Like, can you get everybody on the court at the same time? And maybe you're okay. I think they could use a another big. I like Nick Claxton and what he's been able to do. He's been really good in the pick and roll. I just don't know that he can hold up physically as a defender. You know, Markeith Morris has also they're, played really well. They're for a good. They're minutes, a good Jakob like, Pertle team. They're a good Jakob Pertle team. It'd be great. I mean, we got to get that one mention of Jakob Pertle in the pod, and they are a good Jakob Pertle team. I didn't even do that Spurs one intentionally. I didn't even do that one intentionally. They're sal- no, salary they, they matching really stuff. Do. They need somebody like that. Yeah, salary yeah. matching stuff comes comes a little weird there because they have a weird cap sheet. So you have to do some some weird stuff to make sure that it that uh you know you're sending out the right amount. But you can you can make it work. Like you could do a yeah you could do a bridal deal. And that that he would make sense for them. He's more physical. You look at the other teams in the East, and they're actually all very well positioned defensively to guard Joel Embiid in the playoff series. You know, Boston yeah. has Al Horford, who's great against Embiid and has guarded him Amazing. and play like literally yeah. so good guard at guarding Joel Embiid that the 76ers signed him so that he would stop guarding Joel Embiid. So he in the wouldn't playoffs. be there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, like yeah. that's how good he is at that. And you have Milwaukee, who's got Brooke Lopez and, and Giannis down low, and you've got Cleveland, who's got Jared Allen and Evan Mobley down low. And it's like those mm-hmm. are, you know, Mobley is not going to be a great one-on-one defender of Embiid, but if Embiid does have a little bit of a weakness to his game, it's that you can kind of surprise him with double teams. And if if you can have Mobley stray a little bit and you can have some creative doubles, I'm sure. And Bickerstaff does a good job of that kind of stuff too. He's he's very creative with his defensive scheming. Like they're they're a team that's that's well equipped to guard. You know, not well equipped to guard and beat because nobody is, but they have the personnel that if you're going against Joel Embiid, you can be like, Okay, we got a chance here. We got we got a shot to make yeah. him uncomfortable. And and Brooklyn doesn't have that. Like if they have to face Philly or something in like a four or five, which I think would be the four or five right now, right? Uh, if they have to place like yes. Philly in a four or five matchup, like I could see yep. just like Embiid doing to them just what like Shaq did to the Nets during that NBA Finals one that one year when he was just like 35 and 17 for the whole series. You know, as they say, they're a pearl away from being competitive in a playoff series. Let's uh, let's take a quick break, and after that, we're gonna t- talk about a couple more teams. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And we're back from that quick break. Uh, what do you, which way do you want to go? You want to talk good team or bad team? 
Mm, can we talk about the Raptors? Ooh, that's what I was about to go to. Because what you know why I thought do we of them? Do with this Raptors team. You know why I thought of mm. them? Because you said good team or bad team, and I didn't know which way to categorize the Raptors. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this Raps team is struggling, struggling. Lost again tonight, as we speak, to the 76ers that we talked about earlier. They've lost six in a row to the Magic, Magic, Kings, Nets, Warriors without Steph, and to the Sixers in overtime. They they play the the red hot Knicks next. I just don't know what you do. They're, they're not as they're not as, as in dire straits as the Wizards, because you look at the Wizards and you're like, man, I just don't know. Like even if they picked a direction, like is it really gonna work? I don't know. You know, with the Raptors, I think that they could they could pick several different directions to go. That would be fine. They could even just ride this year out and just see what happens, and that's probably a fine thing to do with some of their young guys. But you just kind of wonder long-term what they can be. You know, if I'm Masai if I'm Ujiri, I'd be very tempted to hit the reset button and just say, Scotty, OG, we're going to ride with you guys and try to figure this out. Um, what do you think? So, Andrew, this is the net rating game. So, yeah, we didn't read this off, but the Raptors coming into tonight, they were 13 and 16. They literally just lost to the 76ers, so I don't think the numbers have updated. But coming into tonight, their no. net rating was actually plus 0.2. They were just a hair better than better than mediocre a hair better yeah but 13 and they're probably and still about there right i mean yeah, they lost they by lost three to philly by a couple points they're probably yeah. right around a net even net rating yeah and they're 13 and 17 which means they're they're pretty nicely underplaying their net rating which means yeah. you could look at them and be like all right they've lost some close games they lost another close one tonight siakam was hurt for a little while they've they've you know, had been the unfortunate fortune of bad luck. Uh, all right, keep this going and let it run out. But when I see that profile, I see a Toronto Raptors team vastly underplaying its net rating. It just makes me think of another team, the 2021 Toronto Raptors, who at this point mm. of that season, we were saying, you know, the Raptors are really underplaying their net weighting. I can't wait for them to turn it around. That team started off 17 <laughs> and 17. It was vastly yeah. underplaying its net rating. We were like, either the Raptors, yeah. they'll turn it around. We know they'll turn it around. And then they lost like a million games in a row. And then and they, they got, the plug. Yeah. and then they decided, well, they kind of pseudo pulled the plug, right? That was when they traded Norm Powell for Gary Trent. And mm -hmm. they kind of pseudo pulled the plug. They were like, we're going to make a trade that's about next year, and then they'll resign Gary Trent, right? And yeah. And good trade, by the way. Yeah, it was a good trade. You're right. That was a good deal. I, I just wonder if we're going to see them operate similarly this year because the, the profile kind of says the same thing. And a lot of people look at the, you know, a lot of people who are smart people look at that and say, Okay, well, net rating is kind of indicative of how you're playing, sometimes even more than record. And the net rating says that they're a lot better than their record. So you can reasonably believe yeah. that they're a lot better than their record, especially considering that Siakam 
is having an excellent season. Had another huge game against the oh, Sixers tonight, good. by the way. Had what do you have? Thirty eight tonight, yep. and 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 has vastly improved as a playmaker. Like vastly, he is so much better of a playmaker than he's ever been. If he makes All NBA, by the way, he's going to be super max eligible, and that is going to be a very interesting <laughs> conversation to have. But yeah, but you could reasonably convince yourself very reasonably and very intelligently convince yourself, okay, the Raptors are 13 and 17, but they're actually much better than 13 and 17. And by the way, I thought they were going to be, I, along with the rest of basketball Twitter, thought they were going to be really good coming into this year. Yeah. But this front office has looked at a team with a profile like this before and thought, nah, kick them next year. Kick the can down the road. Mm -hmm. Do something for next year. And that, by the way, was when the bottom fell out from under them intentionally. They let they let it go in the second half of the season, and they ended up getting the Scotty Barnes pick, and that's how they got Scotty Barnes. So worked out well from that's that great. time. Yeah. Uh, so I mm-hmm. could, I'm with you. I could see. I think there are a lot of things that are on the table. Like I don't know which way they're going to go. I really have absolutely no idea. But I think anything from Nah, we're we're much better than this record indicates. So we're going to add a piece. I think that's in play. I think. Oh, nervous nervous about Siakam's upcoming contract stuff, and this team is underwhelming. Let's tear everything down except for Scotty Barnes, who's untouchable. I think that's that's maybe in play. I don't think it's in play if they stay where they are now, but if they implode, then maybe. Um, I, I think I think them just kind of doing what they did a couple of years ago, like the equivalent of of that Gary Trent trade. I think that's in play. Like I, I don't. Maybe they just stand pat too. I, I, I don't know yeah. what they end up choosing to do. I, I don't know. But there are a million different ways this could go. It's a very interesting team-building situation. A lot of this is the shooting. They're, they're 27th in three-point shooting this year. And you look, at, you look at what Fred Van Vliet has done so far this season. He's shooting 33% on eight attempts. You know his career. He's a career thirty-seven percent three-point shooter. Like you gotta believe that's gonna turn around. Like they're not some like elite shooting team, but they're more like middle of the pack shooting team. They're not. I mean, they're not the bottom of the barrel shooting team. Like that to me is the thing. They're they're twenty eighth. They're not twenty seventh. They're twenty eighth. The only teams that are shooting worse than them are the Los Angeles Lakers, who we know are just a terrible shooting team, and the Charlotte Hornets. Who just barely have enough NBA players. Like those are the only two teams. You got teams like the Rockets and Spurs and Thunder who are shooting quite a bit better than them. Who are just like they're they're not even they're all saying like yeah we're not even ready to get it together yet. Like if we don't sh- if we don't shoot well totally fine totally fine with us. I just have to believe the Raptors are going to shoot better than this. And so well, that, qu- that to me is like is one of the things that I just wonder if that turns around. Do, does that three-point loss turn into a win? Because tonight they they shot so poorly again. They're eleven for forty from three tonight, and still had a chance to win the game. The and question just, for them, they're Andrew. just mediocre. Yeah. Oh no! Go ahead. Go ahead. I just said if they're just mediocre, they win that game because they're competing and playing well in almost every other facet of the game. They're just not shooting well, and so. If that happens, if like they start to turn, and sometimes those things can snowball with teams, 
or they just you just start to shoot the ball better. And so that to me, like that's my, the biggest question for me with this Raptors team, and why their their net rating I think might be actually indicative of who they are as like kind of a more middle of the pack team. Yeah, I mean, getting at it, the question for them, and this was the huge question for them last year when they were good and competitive and and were a legit playoff team and got really hot in the second half of the season, which, by the way, maybe that convinces them of something moving forward, right? Like maybe they just mm-hmm. they feel like they got hot last year. They can get hot again this year at the end of the year. But even then, the question about them was their half-court offense. Like... That yeah. that defense was swarming and long and everything that you would want in a defense, right? And they were really good in transition and they could get out running and Scotty Barnes could dunk on guys. And, you know, I just talked about Siakam's, you know, playmaking, taking a huge jump. And, and that's certainly true. But their half-court offense is just a droll again. Like they struggled to get into yeah. stuff. Van Vliet not shooting well is is really really hurting them he's also it's not just the three-point shooting he just he's always been a guy who the three needs to work because he's not an inside the arc kind of player like it's not like he's like getting to the paint and creating a lot from the paint in that sort of way and so it's 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 really been a problem for them where like they rely a lot on getting turnovers getting out of the break and having to score on the break right like that's just their identity and what they need to do. And, and they're getting those turnovers. They are they're they I think they force more turnovers than any other defense in the league right now, uh, as they should, that's how they're constructed to do. But, you know, mm-hmm. clean the glass right now has them. They're averaging 90 points per hundred possessions in the half court. Second to last in the <laughs> NBA. Like they are, they are just a chore to watch. Once they get into the half court, even with the leap from leap from Siakam, and it's 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 really a problem because even and this might really affect them because even if let's say they go on a run and they end up winning forty eight games and they get into the playoffs as a four or five seed or something and they play great second half of the year, that's still going to be an issue. And how are you going to win in the playoffs when your half-court offense is bottom five consistently every year? It's just there's something with this group that is preventing them from being able to get there. You're not you're not going to win enough playoff games for it to really matter. So so I wonder how much that's going to play into the front office's decision-making as well. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I think they're pretty fascinating because they are one of the most well-run teams in the league. And you can trust whatever direction they pick. And if they do... Say like, hey, yeah, we're struggling. Let's just let's pull back. Let's let's be involved in the 2023 draft. I think it's a very smart decision. <laughs> There's a lot of really really good players in this next draft, and if they could find a way to sneak in a top five pick onto this team, there are just a lot of guys in this next draft that could really help. It's not just Wimbenyama and Scoot Henderson. I mean, I mean, Amon Thompson. Is like totally a raptor, and he would also struggle with the shooting thing. But just like go with me, like he's totally a raptor, and I think he would be awesome for them. Brandon Miller could help with their shooting. He's a big, rangy guy that can really shoot from deep, can kind of relocate. I think he'd be awesome for them. Cam Whitmore would be amazing for them. Like they've, there are guys in this draft. This this draft is pretty deep that could play. Anthony Black. He's this he 
would fit with the Raptors so well. Six foot seven, kind of combo, combo y forward guard that can kind of do a ton of stuff. Plays for Arkansas that is pretty amazing. There are a lot of guys in this draft that if I'm Masai Ujiri and I feel uninspired by this team, you feel like you could go get a Scotty Barnes caliber of player within like the top six or seven picks. Like, yeah, pull back. Because there's, I mean, there are, te- there are teams that you thought would be like fully invested in this draft process that just aren't like Utah. Like you thought that they would be a part of this. Like from the Raptors, I'm taking advantage of Utah not being there. <laughs> it's like, well, we'll slide into Utah's spot. Yep, that'd be good. And yeah. you you look around the East. I don't know. Like I, if I'm if I'm the Raptors, I would try to keep this group together and just add another pick to it. Pacers too. Pacers are much better. Indy, yeah. Pacers are much better. I yeah, mean, Indy's a lot better. Yeah, I think we're starting to see. Like, I wonder, I wonder if 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 the Wizards end up joining that group. I'm so curious to know what's going to happen with the Bulls. Yeah, because the Bulls owe oh owe gosh. their first round pick to Orlando, but 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 it's it's top four protected. So maybe they just try to tank really really hard and hope to end up in the top four. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, it's possible. I don't that know. That could but. be so disastrous and so great for for the Magic. Because like right now, if yeah, like things just landed like they were. They get picks five and seven. Yeah, I mean that is incredibly. It's just like the disaster that is the Bulls is even like that's even worse, man. That is all, all of a sudden. By so the way, the Magic are going to have one of the most exciting young teams in the league if that's how this plays out. Like, Bancaro is really good. Oh. And Wagner is yeah. really good. Wagner, and w- Wagner's great. Wendell Carter Jr. is sneakily really good, too, by the way. No one's talking about the season that he's having. Yeah. But but he has been really good for them. And, uh, you know, everyone says that... They're an elite guard away from, like, actually competing. They're, they're not an elite guard away. They're just a guard away because everyone on their team is... 6'11 or taller. They just, just they're just like they're just like Bunga. They're just gonna get rid of the idea of guards. They're just like we're gonna play Boncaro and we're gonna play Wagner. We're gonna play Carter and we're gonna play Bobol. And when Jonathan Isaac's back, he can play there too. And Mo Bamba can be the sixth man. And that'll that'll yeah. be the whole that'll be the whole roster. There's no guards. Oh, like gosh. they just got like Markel Fultz can be there for like solidarity sake. He can be like the honorary guard. Comes in when that's hey, a huge blowout. Hey, Fultz, Fultz has actually been kind of good for them. Yeah. He's, he's been helpful to them since he's been back. Yeah, because he's literally the only guard. It's like him and Cole Anthony are the only two guards on the team. And Bull Bull just plays guard. I mean, I was so excited about Mike Vorkanov's article about Bull Bull. I was so excited about the headline yeah. about... Vic, everyone says Victor Wembanyama is something we haven't seen before. Well, watch the Orlando Magic, friends. <laughs> <laughs> because and, Bull and Bull is doing something insane it's every night. It's definitely a joke, but also, if you are somehow able to go watch Bull in person, go do it. Because uh, it's honestly, I've been to a bunch of games this year. He has been easily, it was easily a top three moment. Like a top three in-person moment for me this year, was seeing Bull Bull. Because he, he will do some of the most wild stuff. And kind of fly around, come out of nowhere with dunks and 
bringing the ball up, just watching him bring the ball up the court if you're able to sit close is just like, what is this? Like, is this still the sport of basketball? Uh, it's the most entertaining thing. Like, seriously, you got to go watch bowl. It's, and if he's just the precursor to Wimbanyama, and, like, Wimbanyama is, like, just, like, this mega force, which everybody thinks that he'll be, it's great. Just go go, go soak it up now. Go soak up a little bit of bowl. Get yourself ready for Wimbanyama next year. A little bit of bowl. Just just one bowl. And then... One bowl. It's like a one bowl. Second bowl next year. Yeah, exactly. second bowl next year. Exactly. Um, well, next week, we won't have an episode of Tampering, so... You guys enjoy Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you're celebrating. Hopefully you guys will enjoy that, enjoy the holiday season. We will have a special episode of the Athletic MBA Show drop on Friday. It is the Athletic MBA Show special that will include lots and lots of characters from around the athletic. It will be a very, very fun time, so be sure to listen to that. Uh, Enjoy your time with friends and family, and we will talk to you guys again in a couple weeks. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.